Welcome to Unconditional Love Fellowship with Bishop Malcolm Smith. This is episode number 43, recorded March 26, 2013, Wonderful. For more information and more teachings by Malcolm Smith and Unconditional Love Fellowship, please visit www.malcolmsmith.org or check out the new ministry website at unconditionallovefellowship.com. And now, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. I want to share with you tonight a subject that is akin to what we've been speaking about. We've been speaking about the joy of the Lord and the praise that rises within us who have come to know Him and be united with Him. And there is a verse in Isaiah chapter 9 it's it's actually a verse of prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus, and I believe that uh, it, it will bring us that one step closer to walking in the joy of the Lord. So let me read it in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's the central part of the prophecy. And out of that very specifically, it is, and his name will be called Wonderful, Wonderful. Um, I could also just reference, I don't know if we'll get there tonight, but in chapter 8 and verse 18, and this too in the New Testament is applied to Jesus, where he says, Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are, we, the speaker and the children, we are for signs and wonders in Israel. The idea that the name of Jesus, according to that prophecy, his name is wonderful. Now, I think we've talked before about how the Old Testament uses the idea of name. It was not merely a handle by which to call someone, but rather it was a word that had a meaning that would open the door into the innermost person. And so when it says his name shall be called Wonderful, it doesn't mean that his mother would call him down the street, come here, Wonderful. It rather meant that get an insight into who he is. And who he is is Wonderful. And that gives us a better idea of what it's talking about, that to know who Jesus is, to have the insight into his person and into all that he came to do and did, receive that insight from the Holy Spirit, and the only response that we can give is wonderful. His name, his character, his person, his works, they sum up to name him as wonderful. And so that the revelation that God gives to us of his true self as revealed in Jesus, wonderful. 
It's amazing. And if we ever get to that other text uh, in verse 18 of chapter 8, it is saying that he who is wonderful brings forth or brings into being you and I, and we too are called wonders. We are the children spoken there as being in ourselves signs and wonders. So we've got an awful lot of wonder here, all in a a few chapters, few verses. What does it mean? Well, the word wonder, the truth is we don't use it very much today um, because we are the adult mind. The adult mind is uh, the mind that is too ashamed to wonder. You notice that, you see, to, to wonder is to be faced with the unexpected. It is faced with ultimate surprise. Uh, wonder means my breath has been taken away. And certainly it means I've never seen this before. I'm not sure even what it is. I don't have a category to put it in. And the what I call the adult mind is too proud to admit that. The adult mind will not be vulnerable. It, it will always put on a mask and pretend that I knew this all the time. And, and even though inside our heart is palpitating, on our face we're deadpan and say, yes, of course, uh, because that, that makes us feel that we're adult and we're not like silly children who don't know. Well, um if I'm going to understand what it is to be a child of God, I I have to lose my masks. I have to lose my religious uh, pompery, the uh, idea that I I know, I know, yes, nothing shocks me, nothing surprises me, I've got it all under my control. Well, forget that. If you become a child of God, you enter into the world of wonders which makes Disney look boring, because this is the ultimate unexpected. This is the ultimate surprise. We, we don't have a file for this. You don't, for true wonderful, you don't have a category to put it under. You don't know where to put this. And, and There's no formula that I know of that could make this happen. This is beyond everything that my brain has said is possible. Uh, Wonderful means it's outside the box. It's outside the possible. I don't know where to put it. I don't know what to do with it. It's taking my breath away. I, I think you could say that wonderful has in it the sense of threaten. We tend to be threatened by the wonderful because it's beyond our control. That, that introduces the element of, shall I say, scary. Um, because of our Adam mindset that we're supposed to be like gods with everything under our control, when we meet wonderful, when we meet the true God in Jesus Christ, we cannot control him. 
And that's so upsetting. It's so threatening. We can't control him. We can't manipulate him. We can't fool him with our games and our masks and our promises. And no, all we can do is fall on our knees and say, wonderful. This is um, akin to words that um, elsewhere in the New Testament um, you've read uh, the word marvelous in the Old Testament. Well, you see, the word marvelous actually means that which is too difficult or too hard for the human creature to accomplish. You remember on one occasion uh, we, in our translation, it says, uh, is anything too hard for the Lord? That's the word that is used. Is anything too marvelous for the Lord? That is, is anything that, that is impossible for the human? It's too hard for the human to do, to even think of. But it's not for God. With God, all things are possible. And so the, the word comes down sometimes translated, it's marvelous which means too hard for us, but not too hard for God. It's wonderful. It's beyond our comprehension, beyond our ability to do, but not for God. Not for God. And therefore, it shall ever remain wonderful, marvelous to us, because we could never accomplish this. We could never pull it off. But He is wonderful. That is, he is beyond our comprehension, and he does that which we cannot do. He, he leaves us speechless. I almost got speechless right there. It's, it's along with, it's in the same family as the word awe. And I suppose in today's world that is very difficult to explain because it's become... Um, part of of such nothing, empty language. Uh, you know, you say something, you know, I, I had a great meal tonight. And they say, awesome. Oh dear, I shudder when they say that. Awesome. It's a God word. It means to stand before the greatness of God, stand before the unlimited love. And, and, and so wonderful, so marvelous that I, quite frankly, in my mind, I am bewildered. I'm confused. This is too big to take in. This is, this is too wonderful. I'm, I'm dumbfounded would be another word. It, it is a fearful joy because I don't know what to do with this. It doesn't fit any part of my tradition. It, it, it's, it's not been taught me by my ancestors, and yet I'm touching it, tasting it, and I know it's real, that God loves me, that God became one of the human race in Jesus. Amazing. And I stand in awe, for the word means not only to delight in and to admire, but it means to adore. It means to fall in worship. 
I have come to the end of my human possibility. I have come to the abyss beyond which I cannot go, and I find it filled with God, and I worship him. So when the Bible speaks of the fear of the Lord, it's really speaking of a lifestyle of wonder, a lifestyle of amazed, because we have finally come to one that we cannot explain. We have come to one who we cannot control with our strings like a puppet. Wonderful. When you come into the New Testament, it's interesting, for now the prophecy of Isaiah has come to pass. Jesus is come. And this one that he calls wonderful is here. And so we are looking now at at wonderful himself. He is here. And we are seeing what wonderful is doing as he is here. And the results of the people, go through the Gospels and look and see uh, what, what he does and how the people respond. In the Gospel it says, and I, there's a number of phrases, so I'll just go through them. It says they were amazed. They were amazed at his teaching. They were certainly amazed at what he did. At other times when he did and said, it says they were astonished. And another word that is used is they were astounded. And at another time, it says they were perplexed. All those words are are okay here. Because what, what you may be thinking is that you have got your gospel and your Jesus all neatly worked out and and you've filed gospel away under G and Jesus away under J and it's all wrapped up. Uh, I would like to introduce you to the real Jesus and the real gospel and you will come back to these words that we're trying to fathom the meaning of them When I meet the real Jesus, I mean the real Jesus in my life, he's beyond words. It's only religion that can file him away and close the box and say, God, that's solved. Now, these words in the Gospels, the amazed, the astonished, the astounded, in the actual original language, that they are very much stronger. I mean, astonished, it means to throw outside of your mind. I like, they said what we've seen, it, it throws us outside of our mind. There's nowhere to put it. Throws us outside of our senses and outside of self-control. We hardly know what to do. We've got the same expression, actually. We say we're beside ourselves. We're outside ourselves. We don't, we've lost contact with, with everything that's predictable. We've been thrown off balance. It's upset our ordered, predictable world. So we're at a loss for thought, lost for word, lost as to what to do. We just stand there and we're filled with joy 
but it's a joy that's got that certain fear to it because we don't know what to do. We know it's wonderful. This is the grandest, the greatest, the... but we don't know where to go from here. It's too big for us. It's too wonderful. And that's his name. That's the name by which Jesus is to be called. His name is wonderful. You see through the Galilean carpenter. You see through him who walked down the jostling streets of Jerusalem and looked just like anybody else. And when you meet him, you realize he's wonderful. He is beyond, beyond thought, beyond thought. You know, Jesus said, and I think he was referring somewhat to this. Maybe you remember, it's in Matthew chapter 11, about verse 25, I think. And, and there he said, no one knows the Father except the Son. Now, that's an amazing statement. He, he said he's the only person on the planet who knows who the Father is. But then he said, no one knows the Son, that's himself, no one knows the Son except the Father. He said then that who he truly is is of such a nature of wonder that no human can fully understand who he is. Only the Father, his Father knows who he is. And then, of course, he invites us into that mystery that he will reveal to us this amazing salvation. Oh, yeah, wonder. I, I suppose it would be time at least to pose the question, does, does the Jesus you know cause you to wonder? Does the gospel that you believe cause you to be beside yourself? cause you to say it's marvelous, it's beyond all human ability, comprehension? Just a question. You see, when God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush, which compared with what we're talking about, compared with God becoming flesh in Jesus, beyond God laying hold upon your heart and saying, I love you, the burning bush, in comparison, seems really not much, that a bush should burn and not be consumed. God should speak out of the bush. Yet, when Moses saw that bush that burned, you remember, first of all, he takes off his shoes and he kneels before the presence of God in the bush. And I, I don't think it ever occurred to him to think, who's going to look after the sheep while I'm here? No, no, it's beyond thought. He can't think how the bush can burn and not consume the bush. That he's dumbfounded that God should actually be speaking to him out of a bush. All of that, there's no categories for that, you see. There's a certain numbness, a numbness of joy, but numbness nonetheless... And Peter, remember Peter when Jesus took his boat and preached and then he told him to cast out into the deep. And you remember that uh, Peter is 
hesitant to do so. It's the wrong time of day. And, and then when he does and he catches that enormous amount of fish, he, he falls down at the feet of Jesus and says, I'm a sinful man. At that moment, he's forgotten all about the fish, that there's so many of them. It could well sink the boat, but that, that can happen. Anything can happen. This is beyond me. It's beyond my comprehension. That's the wonderful. That's the marvelous. That's the awe. That's the life-changing moment that I have come outside of my little control freak comfort zone where I've got everything under control and I know what everything in my life can do and can't do and I know what God can do and I know what he can't do. I know what he's not supposed to do. I'm in charge here. And then suddenly you meet the real one and all you can say is wonderful, wonderful. See, this is the wonder it says his name, and as I said, that's the window into who he really is. And when I come to who he really is, then I have come to the wonder of the revelation of God. God reveals himself in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4 says the glory of God or the outshining who God really is in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. He is the window into God's heart. And when we look at the window, I hope we never get over it. That's wonder wonder that God reveals himself as love and not love in the abstract but love that actually gives himself in the person of Jesus his son God so loved the world it's not just abstract it would stop there if it was but so loved the world that love did something concrete in our history he gave the Lord Jesus Christ who would die for us. For God so loved us, he will not live without us. Wonder, wonder, Out, outside of my comprehension that God is love. God, creator. The, the world will so quickly say that he's all-powerful. They love the word sovereign. And I think they really want to say dictator, that, that he's God, he's beyond us, he's remote, he does what he wants, and sometimes he's cruel. We'll meet him at the end, I heard a TV commentator say once. We'll meet him at the end, and he'll be the judge. We'll know what we did wrong. Well, when I come to Jesus, who is the revelation of God, who shows us gentleness and kindness to the nth degree, who sums up his whole life as love, he who when he spoke his words and did his acts, it said he was moved with compassion, he who sat with the 
persons who had been ostracized from society, when he touched the diseased that were never touched by other humans, and when he turned the wicked into righteous, and when he healed sicknesses to health, we stand back and say, is this God? Is this really God? Yes, yes, this is really God. And we don't know what to say because his name is wonderful. And when we stand before the cross, we stand before the God who so loved me that he draws to himself, takes to himself the rottenness and the corruption, the iniquity, the twistedness of us all. It became sin for us. I I can't comprehend that. I cannot. I have studied it for 60 plus years, but I cannot comprehend it. I still can only fall on my knees and say, wonderful, wonderful. Mm. To look at the resurrection, that he as me, as you, as true human, in a body like this, he went into the tomb and then conquered death. How easily that rolls over my tongue. He conquered death. He stripped death of its power and rose from the dead, that is, into his body came life. Ah, yes, but but a life like we'd never seen before. It wasn't merely that he came alive again, but he was life as the origin of life, the source of life, the source of a life that had never been known, that had gone into death and defeated death and now lifed with a life that cannot die. And he stood outside the tomb, a human who could be touched, who could eat with them, drink with them, visit with them, laugh with them around a campfire. Yet he had died and was buried for three days and now lived in the power of a life that couldn't end. And he himself, the source of that life for all who believe upon him. What do you say to that? (laughs) Maybe nothing because you just fall on your knees, at least in the inside you do. You don't know what to say. This is, this is a God I'd never comprehended. The never, never in all my putting together of the bits and pieces of the jigsaw that the world calls God, never, never knew this. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And you see, There's certain humility to wonder, as I already hinted at at the beginning of this. There's humility to wonder. Because to wonder is the admittance, just the oh of wonder, the bug eyes of wonder, the speechlessness of wonder. All of it is saying I'm admitting this is outside of all the files in my mind. I have never been here. There's nothing else in my world of experience that matches this. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who I'm dealing with. It's all beyond me. There is a deep vulnerability I've become as a little child. 
that I, I can't think this, I've never been here before, but I yield to it. As Jesus said, unless you become as a little child, you'll never see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is for child. That is, with all the masks off, with all the pretense, with all the pomposity, with all of the pride that says, I know it all. You realize you know absolutely nothing. And when you meet final reality himself, all you can do is worship. And sometimes even that is speechless. For the word wonder, it takes us to the very edge of thought. Everything I've ever thought or dreamed, it takes me to the edge and then throws me off that I should learn to fly in a whole world of new possibilities that I'd never dreamed of. Come. In your ancestor thinking that had been passed on to you, in your ancestor traditions, did you ever dream that the creator of the universe knows your name? And if I could speak after the manner of men, say that he lights up at your name, can you ever say that you thought that you'd come to a day where you believed that? Could you ever dream of a day when God himself took upon himself humanity and as you and for you entered into death itself and rose from the dead and called you by name and said, I love you and I gave you myself for you? that he would give you the Holy Spirit who would cause you to enter into the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, that you would sit with the Holy Trinity, sit with the Son at the right hand of the Father. Look, I've just been giving you the gospel there, but have we ever realized I was passing by a church the other day and heard the pastor telling the people that if they would say their sinner's prayer, they would go to heaven and not to hell. And I, I, I wanted to scream, is that, is that why Jesus died? Is that the gospel? That may scare you spitless, but it doesn't make you to wonder. It doesn't make joy to rise within you and overspill. It doesn't bring a peace that passes all human comprehension. No, wonder takes you to the edge of everything you thought you knew and throws you over, and now you're flying in a world your ancestors never dreamed of. Wonder. Wonder has a way of drawing you into its own embrace. Because, you see, anything I've said in the last while, um, wonder, what should I say, it causes everything else to be slightly out of focus. 
To wonder means whatever that which captures you, whatever is causing you to wonder, causes everything else to be off and out of focus. So that matter, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters at all. And you are drawn toward that which now fills your consciousness. Which, of course, again, we, we know to begin to know this Jesus, to begin to know the Father through him, to know the Holy Spirit within us, we are captured with wonder. We are drawn into the embrace of the Holy Three. We know the love of God. But in knowing that love, we know that it shall take the rest of our lives to keep on knowing and to keep being drawn deeper. This is the wonder. Wonder. <laughs> I said a moment ago, bug-eyed, wide-eyed. I, the, the feeling is I need bigger eyes to see this. I, I'm speechless. I, I need a new language to talk about this. I'm immobile. I can't just walk away from this. I can't multitask. I can't get text messages while I'm caught in the wonder of this God revealed in Jesus. This, this moment is all. That's why in the scripture you read, say, of John, in the book of Revelation, it says, I fell at his feet as one dead. That's amazing. John was described as the best friend of Jesus. Um, I mean... John knew Jesus better than all the others. And yet when he met Jesus fully revealed for who he really is, he said, I fell at his feet as one dead. When Thomas, another of the apostles, saw Jesus resurrected, he fell at his feet and said, my Lord, my God. I know this doesn't go over too well uh, to, to those who are just part of traditional legalism. I mean, go to church on Sunday and just sit there while everything drones on and you mumble out a song, you look at your watch and you get outside as fast as you can and you've been to church, you've done your thing. That's a long way from wonder, isn't it? Long way from wonder. Long way from a wonderful God who has wonderfully revealed himself in Jesus. It's a long way from even the Old Testament, who has yet had not had the fullest revelation in Jesus. But they said, as, as they came to the edge of their thinking, they said, who is like unto you, O Lord, among all the gods. They said, everything these other nations worship fall into nothing like, who is like unto you? I don't know the words. I can't find the words to say. Who is like you? And the other one, you can almost see his feet tapping and dancing when he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. 
And the word that has come into our English language straight from the Hebrew, hallelujah. And hallelujah means to brag on God, to boast in his greatness, even to the point where the world thinks you're foolish. That's the meaning of the word. The God who reveals himself even in the Old Testament scriptures, he's amazing, he's wonderful. He promises wonders and he fulfills his promises. And to believe upon him, both in Old Testament and then in Jesus Christ, to believe upon Jesus is to become a wonder, united with the wonder himself. Now, you see, God... The God revealed in Jesus cannot be controlled. Maybe you've never thought of that before. Maybe you've never thought of controlling God. But I hear it all the time. People who basically tell God that he can't love them yet. They're not good enough. And so they have um, arranged that they will have a certain period of time where they will look sad and mournful, do pious things, beat themselves up, say they're worthless, guilty, and so on and so on. And then somewhere at the end, they they have decided, now you can love me. I've paid my dues. Well, that's just a game they're playing with themselves, you see. They're trying to control God and say, you're not as wonderful as you're cracked up to be. I know who you really are in my adult religious head. You can't just love me, not like this. I've got to shape up for you to do that. And so we try to control God. We try to contain him in our wretched little boxes of our particular denomination. Have you ever looked in the box? There's nobody there. It's a coffin. God doesn't live in a box. He will not be contained in the coffin. No. I've told you the story before, I think, at least some of you. The first time I really saw a lion, I was in Zimbabwe. Actually, I was in the uh, little town that's at the Victoria Falls. And it's a, a very little town. A very, in fact, the jungle encroaches onto the town. And the only reason for it being there is to... The people who look after the tourists who come to see the falls. And I was there... And I'd been in the jungle, was driving back into town in in an open-top jeep. And suddenly, I saw, there on the side of the road, padding along at a steady pace, there was a lion going into town. And I mean, I, I had goosebumps. I felt my hair rise, this majestic creature with its flowing mane for every inch of that creature looked like the king of beasts. And it was there, majestic, padding into town. 
I, I'm glad we were in a jeep and we left him to pad into town. But I, I never forgot the sight of that creature. There was a little, a little bit of human wonder. Kind of did take my breath away. A lion on the sidewalk, as if he owned the jolly place. Looked as if he should own it. Then when I came back to the States, I went to a zoo and I saw the sign to the lion house and I thought I'd like to see a lion again, especially after my Victoria experience. And I went into the lion house and through the bars, that was the first giveaway, I saw this poor yellow wimp that lay sprawled in the corner. And I realized this thing in the corner was supposed to be a lion contained within a box of bars, looked after by keepers who fed it every day. And otherwise it just lay there and was taunted by the tourists. They wanted it to see and do something, you know, get up, creature, walk around, look like a lion. And I went away from that so very sad, so very sad. I'd seen the king of the jungle. I'd seen him in his majesty of freedom as he walked where he would. And then I saw him caged in the city, a wimp. And I thought then the lion of the tribe of Judah in all his free majesty who does what his love heart will and religion has taken him and caged him up and put the name of a denomination on his cage and full-time ministers feed what they think is the lion while all the tourists come on Sunday hoping he'll do something. No, there's no wonder left in religion, none at all. He doesn't live in a religious zoo, nor does he do tricks in a religious circus. Wonder? You bet we wonder. This one dances in the flames of the burning bush. This one put his foot into the Red Sea and then danced his way through the opening sea before him. This one danced in the sky and led the wise men to the incarnate babe. The incarnate babe himself was the same wondrous God now laying in a feeding trough, helpless babe upon his mother's breast. This one strolled for an evening walk upon the sea. This one says to incurable sinners, go and sin no more. To incurable bodies, he said, be made whole. And when they put him inside death, he burst out of death and threw the stone away, sat down with his disciples and said, do you have anything to eat? Yeah, if that doesn't make you wonder, if that doesn't make your heart leap. 
See, the gospel, you've heard me say before, the, the word gospel, when it was first put into our Bibles, is an old, old English word. It means the good, glad, merry news that makes a man fairly leap for joy at the wonder of it. And the gospel is the invitation of God who is love, the invitation to you to come inside his heart and live in union with him, to experience him outside of all human limits, beyond all that we call science and psychology, beyond all analysis, for you and I to know that we are in him and he is in us. It's wonderful. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the key to wonderful. It's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes to see the dimensions of this wonder. It's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes and says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon you. It's the Holy Spirit who actually unites us with wonderful, so that as that second text we read says, we become signs and wonders. You are forgiven. You are released of your sin. You are outside of that dimension of sin consciousness. For the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from all sin. Is that not wonderful? You were crucified with Christ. All the bands and chains that are of this world and of Satan were hacked off of you in the death of Jesus. And in his resurrection, you rose with him. And this very day, resurrection himself lives inside of you. You are not just Joe Brown. You are a son of God. You are not just Mary or Miriam. You are a daughter of the Most High through Jesus Christ. You have the joy of the Lord. You have the peace of God to you His love has come and his command. Now you love one another as I have loved you. Wonder at it. Shake your head from all the religious formulas and realize the life to which you have been called. Because you see, we live very definitely in the day where it says they will have a form of this godliness, but they'll deny its power. For the wonder is in the power. And so much of what we call church has lost the wonder. It's just not there. I don't know when they lost it. Just gradually lost it. It's too upsetting, you see. They couldn't control. And so they preferred to control and to lose the sense of the wonder. In fact, so many believers are threatened by the wonder because (laughs) you're not in control. There's no formula. It's a relationship. 
In fact, the world of wonder in Christ has almost become a myth and a legend of maybe perhaps what used to be. How do we recapture this life of wonder? I think it begins by acknowledging, repenting of our, what I've been calling our adult minds. Instead of so foolishly thinking we've got it all together and we've got God in our little box to realize that outside of the Holy Spirit, my teacher, I know nothing. And how much of my life is just words about God rather than knowing him. And just simply to admit what I don't know and that I'm wide open to limitless wonder to desire that the Holy Spirit put within me a desire for the wonder that is the heart of the Lord Jesus. For, as I said, the Holy Spirit is the key to the wonder. The Holy Spirit is the one that opens the eyes so that we can see the wonder. He's the one, Jesus said it, He guides us into all the truth. He floods us our innermost being with light and understanding. And another word of the Holy Spirit, it says that he he demonstrates this. He's the demonstrator of the gospel. And, And that prayer that Paul prayed, never get away from it. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, above and beyond all that we could ask or think or imagine according to the power that works in us. The Holy Spirit's at work in you and and where he would take you is beyond your present ability of imagination. It's beyond your dream powers. It's certainly beyond your thought powers for it is into a relationship with the Father through the Son that honestly we have never even begun to comprehend. In fact, it says, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, neither has the human mind the ability to comprehend it. All the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And then, the scripture, we, we never quote beyond that, but that's only halfway through the sentence. It says, and the Holy Spirit has revealed this to us. He has caused our eyes to see what eyes can't see, our ears to hear what ears can't hear. He has caused our hearts to understand and grasp what humanly we can't. I might warn you of this, that the world is very okay with a believer who does not wonder. A believer that just has words and ideas and philosophies and formulas. The world won't even blink at such. The church is well able and quick to welcome such as members because they won't cause any trouble. There'll be no 
waves made. But the moment we know Jesus through the Spirit, and Jesus introduces us to the Father, and wonder fills our heart. Not that you will start talking silly or acting silly. No, you won't. But there will be an outgoing of the glory of God so that suddenly the world will get upset with you. You've upset their apple cart. The church, I use that word as broad as it can be used, is threatened by such. It's threatened. Because while, while they speak of theory, you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And that which happens within you does not happen within the formulas. It is happening through the Holy Spirit. And, and so you might be told to shut up. You might be told to get out. You might experience persecution. But Jesus said that's what would happen anyway. I, I'm asking you today, as I ask myself... Let him, let him lead you into the heart of God. Let him. Or use the words of the Virgin Mary, the greatest statement of faith, be it unto me according to your word. Set my heart wondering, and in so doing, joined with wonderful, may I become a sign and a wonder in this world. Well, in a sense, this has been a, a strange time together because I, I am aware that I have challenged you with almost every other word I said. And that comes out of the fact my message challenges me. It is so easy, so terribly, terrifyingly easy for all this alive union here, now, with Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's terrifyingly possible that that becomes just a memory, a myth, instead of my waking hours, even my sleeping hours, that we live in Him who is wonderful and live our lives glorifying the wonderful and they see our lives says Jesus and glorify our father who is in heaven well there it is and now may the God who is wonderful love the God who is a wonder in himself the father the son and the holy spirit may he bless you bless you into a life of wonder that your lives may reflect the wonderful himself. So I bless you this day, this week, and to the ages of ages. Amen.